Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on Apple Podcasts. Dumpty 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 Dum, 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 Dumpty 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 Dum, Dumpty Dumpty Dum, Hello, this is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. I'm Jacqueline Berto, who's projecting her innermost Mopsy Mabuse. And I'm Stephen Bowden, your nervous but unique compare for this podcast. And then there's you, our lovely Dumpty Dummers, who I like to think of as Jim Lloyd's funny bits. Welcome to Dumpty Dum, a show about our favourite country village. This week's episodes of The Archers were written by Nick Warburton. And this week we have calls from Andrea in beautiful Brittany, who gives some advice about giving reviews of podcasts. Jen, Ambridge Pony Club, who is sending a present to Ambridge in the form of Lexi. Lillian, who called in via WhatsApp and has a Christmas wish for George. Witherspoon, worst thoughts on Stella and Harry. Claire from Clapham, who has thoughts on Stella and Emma. And Brian, who is feeling blessed. Oh, I see what you did there. Vicky, who welcomes our newest little Dumpty Dummer. Glyn, who thought Harry was out of order. And finally, Helen from Southend, who has a plot prediction. Plus, we have The Week in Ambridge by Sui, a round of the Dumpty Dum Facebook by Theo, and The Weeks of the Week also from Theo. But before Stephen and I start blathering on too much, let's remind ourselves what's happened this week with a round of The Week in Ambridge coming this week from our Sui. Hello lovely people, it's Siri here, Queen Otto on the Twitters and Blue Sky and all that. Time for a quick reminder of the week in Ambridge on this lovely festive week. Emma got a bit tipsy. Well, alright, blathering drunk. A night out with her fellow students egged on by George. She played some sort of drinking game involving a lot of hats. George tricked her the following morning saying she'd woken up Jimmus in the middle of the night, but Jim claimed ignorance. Then she tricked George in return, claiming he was going to have to do some dirty jobs for Jim. My, how we laughed. Well, certainly more than we did at the Agricultural. Jacob refused to have a rehearsal and then decided there was going to be one after Stella insisted and everyone else jumped on the bandwagon. The rehearsal was, quite frankly, utterly excruciating to listen to. Jacob ended up imposing a three-minute limit on each performer and drew the order out of a hat. On the night, Sykesy turned out, Kel surprise, to be an elderly comedian who is rather a lot funnier than anyone else. Apart from Jacob, who managed multiple entendre, single and double, Sykesy steamrolled through the three-minute bell to recon some more material. And we did laugh. Stella, earlier in the week, was learning the sophisticated dance routine for The Sound of Music from Pip, and that was bubbling along nicely until Jill turned up, telling them her sponge was a bit dry. Clearly, Stella has not received the memo about ignoring any self-depreciation. They had a right old set, too, about green farming practice. Jill apparently threw her cake in the bin. Oh, the horror. I do wonder how you make a lemon drizzle cake go dry. Chris and Alice juggled childcare, allowing for Harry Chilcott to take her out to dinner, and then Harry booked a farrier appointment with Chris without telling him who he was. It was all a bit skullduggery. Chris found out who Harry was and agreed to finish the job he was on, but not to take on any more work from him, even though Harry was offering to send other people his way. Susan was suitably outraged and bigged Chris up against Harry. She does do an excellent mama bear when riled up. Alan and Usha assure that people will be flocking back to the church post the gagricultural. I'm not sure why that would encourage anybody to go, but anyway, 
Jacob has refused to do anything else like it ever again. The Christmas spirit was alive and well and in full flow at the abattoir. Freddie, in his little elf ears, appears to be the brunt of all the jokes, which ended up with Brookfield's meat order being in the wrong fridge and damaged packaging. Still, it all got mended at the cost of a bit of Freddie's pride, a new set of boxes and some very anxious moments for David. Chris ignored all the advice about a puppy being for life, not just for Christmas, and bought Martha a Shetland pony. I suppose that having a farrier for a father and a stable manager for a mother means it'll have a pretty happy life regardless. Let's hope Martha takes after her parents in all the necessary aspects. Well, I wish you all a Merry Christmas, Yuletide, whatever it is that you are celebrating. And until next week then, my lovelies, and I hope it's a good one. Thank you very much for that, Sui, and a very happy Merry Christmas or whatever you celebrate to you too. So, Stephen, how is your week in this run after Christmas? It's been a quiet week, but they finally finished all the last bits and pieces of the kitchen. So I started actually using it properly and did some cooking. I mean, just a bit of baking, some spice cookies and some gluten-free brownies made with almond flour. Oh, that sounds very exciting. Are you pleased with them? Yes. I've, the oven preheats very, 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 very quickly. It's got a special setting. You push it on it. It, it. it comes up to heat far quicker than any oven I've ever used before, which is great. And I've Tell used us the about the door. Tell us about the door. Oh, the door. It opens and it slides under and it's just not in the way. So it's, it's definitely a uh, great British makeup. Very much so. And the induction hob, I've never used one before, but I've cooked a few things on it. And again, it works really well. I've discovered it when you use a frying pan on it, it, the heat is much more evenly dispersed across the thing than if you're using gas. So everything cooks more evenly and you don't have to move things around in the pan to stop it getting too cooked in some places and not enough cooked in other places. So I'm very happy with it and I'm looking forward to more proper cooking once I get back after Christmas, which I'm spending in London. Very nice. Lovely. How Lovely. about you? How has your week been? Well, it started with a very long flight, 24 hours traveling from France to Oceanside in California. But two days of slight fog and very early wakings up in the morning. But waking up early in the morning is a bit my thing anyway. So I think I'd been awake wide awake if I'd been in France. But California is very beautiful. I have a very lovely little grandson. Great to see my son and his wife. Well, tomorrow, in a few hours' time, eight hours' time, I'm going whale watching. That's exciting. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've been what to sort a winery. Of what sort of whales? Par- well, I've seen on the list of the, of the co in a cabin where I booked it, it was, we'd seen orcas and humpbacks, lots of different dolphins and things as well. It's the season, it's just the start of the whales coming down to the uh, Bahia, California for the winter, as it were. So, I have to say, California, Southern California's had a lot of rain this week. After that night and the obliteration of the massive Christmas decorations in this very low suburban street has been amazing. You want to go on, there's penguins everywhere. But they're suffering from El Nino. Well, there we go. Yeah, I, I thought, isn't there a song that says it never rains in Southern California? There is, but we've definitely had more rain than my son's ever seen here. So there we go. We brought it from Britain. I think we better stop talking about that now and let's get on with the important bit, which is you, our lovely Polar Heroes. Who are we starting with? We're starting with this. Hello, Pusscat. And first up in the calls is Andrea from Brittany. Hello, lovely Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Andrea from beautiful Brittany. I'm just calling in about podcast reviews. Now, I'm not sure if I'm the only person who is completely useless at technology and completely disinterested in actually finding out how it really works. Maybe there are more of you like me. I hope so. But um, I read a little while ago that you can't review individual episodes of a program. So I just assumed you could review a program once and that was it. But I was fiddling around on my reviews 
uh, a few weeks ago and I discovered that if you click on the review thing, the review that you've written previously pops up and you can overwrite it. So I was playing around and I wrote something else nice about Dumpty Dum and posted it and lo and behold, it appeared as a new review. So for anyone who's thinking, oh, I've already reviewed Dumpty Dum, all other podcasts are available, and so I can't do it again. Well, you can. So it turns out we can review as many times as we like. So that's all. Hopefully it'll help some people. Have a good week. Thank you for that call, Andrea. Obviously, we really welcome new reviews of Dumpty Dum, and we would encourage everybody who hasn't already reviewed us to, to do so. Unfortunately, the review that you have described your posting doesn't appear to have become visible in the Apple podcast feed. So I'm not quite sure what's happened there. I'm not quite sure why that's happened. Obviously, the new review will be captured in there somewhere, but it doesn't seem to have been brought forward with a current date. It may be sitting there with the original date of posting or something like that. But unfortunately, we weren't able to see it when we were looking at the reviews that have come in over the last week or so. But that it doesn't mean that we're not really pleased that you were able to give us another review. And as I said, we welcome reviews from anybody. Jack. just thought maybe the review that we had last week, I won't be sure, which was Love Jazz's Singings review, maybe that was Andrea, because we don't always know who's sending it reviews because they don't use the same name. That's true. That might have been. If that was Andrea, then definitely that was the, that one did show through. Yeah, it did. And we'll see if that one turns up, if not, Andrea. Thank you. Next up, we have Jen, Ambridge Pony Club. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dumland. Jen here calling in just to say a very, very happy Christmas to everyone. I hope you have a lovely day, whatever you're doing, and very best wishes to all for the new year. Stephen was asking about what presents we would like to give the village. Well, I would definitely like to get Lexi a one-way ticket back to Borsetshire. I think that's a very sad we've lost out on that actress. She's a fantastic actress. She's a great character and we'd love to see her returning. Then I would like to get Clary something nice. I mean, poor old Clary. Uh, maybe a lottery ticket, preferably the winning lottery ticket, and let her be able to buy a decent house in the village and maybe a nice little holiday apartment in Maribel or in France, as she's a great Francophile. Then I would like to arrange a Christmas miracle for Roy. I think we all need a bit of a Christmas miracle and his family to be returned to him. Loved Mike as a character, would love to see him coming back. And Bethany, I think, is one of the biggest missed opportunities that they've had in terms of story writing. She really should have stayed in the heart of the village and would love to see her return. So those are my Christmas wishes. I will speak to you all in the new year. I hope you all have a, a lovely holiday season and uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks for that, Jen. Yes, lovely ideas. I love the idea of Lexi coming back with Andrea. Mm. I'd love to see what Ian and Al Adam made us see now as Alexander's mum. Yeah. Last week, I know I didn't do the podcast, but last week I found Ian angst what their position as two fathers was, was really... It's frustrating. I thought he went on over the top about it. He went on, but he's a bit like that, Ian, isn't he? He overreacted, I think, when he thought that he was being stared at because he and Adam were two yeah. fathers, when in fact it was because they'd recognised him from the pizza van. Seemed to be <laughs> unlike him. But then we have had several incidents just recently of, of Ian being highly sensitive about this. Yeah, we learned, didn't we, a few, not that long ago, that he was actually, he struggled as a teenager and a young man with his sexuality and coming out about his sexuality. So he obviously has some underlying angst, the whole holding hands business with Adam. But yeah, to have Lexi on the scene for a while would be quite interesting to see how that affected that relationship. So I like that idea. Roy. Well, I'm not a Roy fan, really. He's just a bit blur for me. But I do agree with Jen completely that Bethany was a real miss out by the renters. You know, that would have been a great story. There are a lot of people in this world who are Archer's fans or not, who would have been interested in seeing how a child with special needs was brought up in the village of Ambridge and how the people of Ambridge. So, yeah, and of course, I would wish Larry a lovely present. Of However big a lottery win that she received, 
Yes. Of course, Roy does really well out of Jen's proposals because Lexi coming back would, I think, fill yeah. Roy with great joy. I, of all his family, the one that I miss the most is Brenda. I don't think yeah. she's ever coming back because we had Mike back. Hey, not that long ago, was it? No, that was about a year ago, and he said goodbye. But I think it would be good to have Brenda back. It would be good to have Mike, Vicky, and Bethany back, but I just don't think that's going to no. happen. That's uh, sadly. And Clary, a lottery win so that she could they could get some more some security around where they live might be good. Uh, it would miss out the uh, almshouses storyline that I think we'll be getting in the new year there. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for that, Jen. Our next call starts like this. Y'all know how this goes. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Greetings, Jacqueline, Stephen, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Caller entering on Thursday afternoon. A special one-handed slow clap to two people who were very deaf of tone and misread the room yesterday. Stella and Harry. First off, Stella, get with the spirit of the season. Learn a few dance moves and enjoy the fun of the event that brings the entire village together. But more to the point, you really mishandled things with Jill. Now is not the time to have a debate about the history of green farming in England with a 90-plus-year-old woman who is a member of the greatest generation and is kind of your grandmother-in-law to be. Not the way to make a good impression. You may not know this, but Jill does hold grudges. We'll see how Christmas Day goes. In any case, it was great to hear from Jill again, even if weaker of voice. Speaking of not making a good impression, especially a first one, there's Harry. Remember Harry's initial meeting with Alice? He made an even worse impression with Chris. What the hell was he thinking in creating this little subterfuge? It could only go wrong, and it did. Did Harry think of how Alice would react when she finds out? The answer is no. Despite all this, I'm going to go out on a limb and give Harry some benefit of the doubt. Others think he's the reincarnation of Rob or Philip, but I hope not. Of course, it wouldn't be a drama if he were simply a nice guy who screwed up because of early relationship anxieties. So we'll see what happens next. By the way, why does Chris frequently go to his mother to talk about his woes and to get advice? Doesn't he have any peers he can talk to? This behavior demonstrates he's right. He does have a certain lack of self-confidence. I'll end there, wishing everyone who celebrates a very merry and happy Christmas. I hope the holidays bring joy to all. Thank you very much for that call with us, Boo. And we wish you and, and all yours also a Merry Christmas and uh, a Happy New Year when we get to that. Though there is another Dumpty Dum before the end of the old year. A lot in that call. Let's start with Stella and Jill. And yes, that was an interesting interaction. Very curious. I think that Jill saying that her cake was perhaps a little dry and Stella agreeing with it, very bad move there. As with Spoon said, Jill does have a certain thinness of skin in some areas, and I think that it's most acute in anything to do with family. I think she's just always had this massive insecurity ever since she arrived. And there's always, and we're talking almost 70 years now, of Jill comparing herself to Grace and being convinced that she's always being measured up against the impossibility of matching Grace because Grace was young and beautiful and is now dead. And that seems to manifest itself every so often, and it, it comes through. This was more about her cooking, and I think that that's perhaps how she has started to see herself. She is the great cook of the family, even though she's up against quite a few other good cooks within Ambridge. And so her cake, when she's self-deprecating about it, it's important not to agree with her, but to say, no, 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 Jill, it's absolutely delicious. Yeah, error. on Stella's part. Uh, and, and it probably doesn't help that, that Stella thinks it's perfectly reasonable to argue that knowledge of environmental practices and so forth has changed massively, and therefore it's not Jill's fault that they were getting it wrong for all those years. But I don't think that Jill would appreciate being told that she's no, I think you can see where Stella was coming from, that she wanted to say, it's not your fault, things have changed, but she still went on. It still actually irritated me, and I am a Stella fan. She actually irritated me. She just went on a bit too much, really. Um, 
was curious how Pip looked at it and how she reacted to it because she definitely went into, gosh, I better get something done here. She was very nervous, wasn't she, about how this conversation was going. Yes, I, I, but I think she's nervous about the whole thing. Although I believe Jill is pretty comfortable with that relationship. Yeah, she was the one that like was it. teasing them about pronouns and so forth. And I think yeah. that was Jill being humorous rather than being confused. There were other people seemed, I think, to hear it differently. Can I so, also say that I think that I agree with, with respect. I'm going to give Harry the benefit of the doubt. I'm not a, an anti-Harry person to begin with. And let's hope it is just nerves on the part of someone in the early beginnings of a relationship. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it would be unfortunate if they were to just get rid of Rob and then introduce a new yeah. villainous character. So I think that Harry is socially pretty inept, yeah. but not actually a villain in it anyway. And I no. think that his interactions with Chris, they're really clumsy. And I worry that there's going to be competition over ponies and so forth. My immediate reaction to hearing that Chris wanted to get, get Martha a pony was maybe that Harry would want to get him a, her a pony as well and yeah, that she'll gosh. end up with two ponies or my pony's better than your pony or something like that. I think yeah, that's I think, yeah. set up for the new year. Yeah, I think it is as well. Chris is obviously, as we heard from his conversation with his mum, that he's not, he's not comfortable with the whole situation, which is probably understandable. But yeah, we'll see uh, see how that, well, that story comes out. The, other thing I, the last thing I want to say about this was that it was lovely to hear Paddy Green's voice again as playing Jill. It's a long time since we've heard her. I don't know how long it is, but it feels like a long time. She definitely sounds older. She is definitely sounding older and frailer each time mm. we hear her. And she's getting on a bit. And mm. I understand that her eyesight has gone, so she can't actually read scripts. So she has to work with somebody to memorize the scripts and then record them like that. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing that she's still doing it. It's amazing that these actors are still going strong on the archers. Shows what kind of community it is as far as the actors, writers. I was slightly disappointed we didn't hear from Auntie Chris this week because it was her birthday. Yeah, I knew you'd know that. She was uh, 92. She's um, 96, so she's just a bit, she's just younger than, than Jill. Cause Jill, Jill was 93 90, earlier yeah. in the year and uh, Chris is 92. And, of course, neither of them are as old as Peggy, no. who is 97, 98 by now. She's 100 next year. Yeah, she's 100 next year. Oh, Stephen, I almost knew something more than you. Not known for my, my remembering facts like you. There we go. Next up, we have Claire from Clapham. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. I'm calling in on Thursday night. Just wanted to celebrate both the terrible dress rehearsal and some of the experience of gagra culture. I loved how Jacob is kind of like deadpan hilarious. I like how he's straight talking and he doesn't take any shit from Linda. Good for him. So that was all quite enjoyable. And now that we've had months and months and months of leading up to letting Jasper Carrot do like two minutes of material on the arches, can we now let him actually move on, please? It's been great, but yeah, we've done our bit. Speaking of straight talking, Jacob, the other straight talker this week was Stella. I quite admire her for standing up to Jill, but uh, oh my goodness me, that's really put the uh, cat amongst the pigeons for the Brookfield family Christmas. You do not criticise Jill's baking. It is basically a kind of tenet of the entire programme. And I'm interested to see how Stella and Pip will get through this particular rough patch in their relationship. I don't think Pip has a lot of experience in dealing with sort of those sorts of difficult like family dynamics within a couple. It's just not been part of her repertoire. So uh, maybe she'll do some learning there. I think Stella could do with a bit more tact, but I, I think it's quite funny. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. Oh, finally, I just wanted to reflect on, very disappointed in Emma this week, not for going out and getting drunk. I was really creeped out by the way George responded to that. But actually, I think Emma tricking him about Jim as a kind of payback just teaches George that it's okay to play tricks on the people near you. I was really disappointed. I thought she should have just told him in straight and told him off. Anyway, happy Christmas, everyone. Oh, happy Christmas to you too, Claire. Yeah, then the first thing was the you know, gagri culture. I have to say, I found it quite amusing. 
but maybe it's just the mood I was in when I listened to it. I loved Yakko. Yakko was definitely the star, but that's the whole point of it being Convair was then he nearly tried to pull out at the beginning, didn't he? And was much encouraged by Usha, which was just fantastic. Jasper Carrot, yeah. I don't think I was ever a Jasper Carrot fan, really. And I'm not a stand-up fan anyway. But I think he came across quite well. The fact that he had the bell run on him and he managed to bring the audience in. I think the whole thing came across less cringeworthy than I thought it was going to be. So, yeah. I'm not so sure about the Emma and George storyline. I giggled at it because she got her own back on it. But when I heard you call it, it did make me stop and think about, yeah, is that teaching him the wrong lesson? Don't know, but sometimes you want to slap George so much that I felt that his mum got her own back on him. Maybe also I listened to that episode whilst walking around the beautiful botanical garden in hot sunshine. Maybe that put me in a better mood. <laughs> to I think accepting George's machinations. <laughs> we've got a, a different view on that coming up in our next call. But before that, Claire mentioned Stella and, and Pip. And I was thinking in terms of Pip's partners, Stella is very different, not just in being a woman, but also in her degree of maturity. Yeah. Pip has previously hung out with complete wastes of space, like the awful Jude and the somewhat less visible but equally useless Spencer and, of mm. course, Toby, mm. who also pretty useless. So it's very different for a Pip to be in a relationship with somebody competent and yeah. mature and, and, and grown up. And I think that she's having a bit of trouble because I think her automatic reaction in many circumstances is to be convinced that her partner is going to say something stupid, do something which will irritate the, the rest of the family. And while I think at times that was part of Pip's motivation in, in relationships in the past, I think that she's carrying that over into this relationship where actually if she relaxes and lets Stella be Stella as the manager of home farm as well as her partner rather than Stella being her partner for whom she is responsible and the relationship with Ruth is where this comes out most obviously because of course we've had all this debate about whether Stella is still Ruth's friend mm -hmm. and so the relationship over Christmas is going to be interesting because you'll have that business of Ruth wondering whether Stella's still her friend Pip mm -hmm. being absolutely terrified that Stella and Jill are not going to get on and it's all going to be quite Weird. Yeah, it's a, actually, I think it's been a big, a good build up to the Brookfield uh, Christmas because we've heard of um, David's angst about why he's not, why people aren't coming. Although we heard this week that Josh is now coming back. It turned into Do We Get Thing, which is an off mic decision that was made. So maybe it will all end up uh, as it should be with family scraps around the Shirelles led by David and Jill doing all the beautiful cooking to ex exhausted level. I'm expecting a sort of contrast between a sort of tale of two Christmases with Brookfield on the one hand and the stables on the other. And yeah. I'm sure that one of them will go really well and one of them will be a complete disaster. So what I'm not sure about is which will be which. It could go either way, couldn't it? It could. We've been promised, we've been given hints that it might go wrong in, in both places. And I think the, the stable setup is the one that's the most combustible, shall we say. They're talking about combustible stables on the arches is perhaps in slightly bad taste. Mm, yes, very true. Very true. Next up, we have Lillian. Hello, Stephen, Jacqueline and all Dumpty Dummers everywhere. I've just finished listening to this week's episode with Theo and Stephen and I thought it's been ages since I've done a caller in so I thought I would do one for the Christmas episode I shall be away for Christmas. My partner Adrian and I are going to a hotel in Bridlington where we normally go at Christmas and we're really looking forward to it. So we'll be travelling on Friday so I probably won't hear the Christmas episode of Dum to Dum until after we return on Wednesday. However, I just wanted to say I was really pleased with Emma and how she got her own back on George. I was really pleased with how she went about that. I found her episode of drunkenness quite amusing. I didn't really fancy hearing her throwing up, so when I thought she was going to, I covered my ears, but we didn't anyway, thankfully. But 
Yeah, I, I know some people didn't find that funny, but I actually did find it quite funny. I thought it was funny how she did it and how Emerald did it. I thought that was really good. Yeah, but I thought the way she got her own back on George was absolutely brilliant. And as far as what I would like to see given to a, an Ambridge resident for Christmas, I think that I would like to see George get given a book of morals to read through so that he could learn how to have a conscience, basically. So it's a bit of a naff gift, I guess, but off the top of my head, it was the best I could think of. On that note, I'll just wish everybody all the best for the festive season and for a prosperous 2024 and look forward to more episodes of Dumpty Dum come in the new year. So thank you very much for everything this year for, from Stephen and Jacqueline and everybody and look forward to more Dumpty Dum in the coming year. Bye for now. Thank you very much for that call, Lillian. And I hope you have a fun Christmas in Bridlington, which I suspect is quite bracing at this time of year. I imagine you can go walking on the beach, but it will be blowy and, and potentially quite cold with the North Sea. Lovely there. place, lovely place. Went on the word something and sit. <laughs> well, of course, it's, it's near where you, you come from, Jacqueline. It is, it is. On... My brother, brother lives there, so there you go. On the business of um, Emma and George and Emma getting drunk and so forth, I'm very much with Lillian on this. I thought that that was quite fun, hearing drunken Emma. It's good that she'd had a chance to let her hair down, to go out with her literature course fellow students and just have an evening to herself where she isn't yeah. worrying about her husband, her former husband, her son, her parents, all the things that make her life miserable. Oh, and the tea rooms and what's going on there. Yeah. So she could just get have some fun, come back extremely happy. And then the whole business about playing a trick on George. Claire was extremely disappointed and thought that it was a, it would set George a bad lesson. George is 18 by now. He is well past, I think, the, the stage at which that's going to have a major difference. He's already clearly a bad one, and I think that it serves him right to have this sort of thing done. I don't think it's going to be damaging to him because he's already managed to, to damage himself enough. And I thought it was quite amusing, really. And I think that if he learns that tricking people means that he might get tricked back and he thinks he's smart, he thinks he's the clever one, well, he's been outmaneuvered this time. And I think it's probably good for him to be outmaneuvered on a regular basis and made to do hard work. Yeah, yeah, uh, even yeah. It's a good way of looking at it, I think. But I think it might also, Lillian, be a bit too late for George to receive a lesson, a book of lesson in morals. I think he should have had that quite a few years ago. I don't think he'll be learning anything new this Christmas. But I do have to say that the drunken scenes with Emerald, she was brilliant. She did it really, really well. I think she must have enjoyed her acting that. So, yeah, made a real change from the Emma that we see. It's very good at emotion, but not that kind of emotion. Was even the hungover phone calls and, and the depth of despair over what George had told us he'd done was great. With, with all good stuff. So I think we've finished those first few calls now, but there are more calls and emails where they came from. As you know, we've closed down the Dumpty Dum website. So those of you who use to use it to access SpeakPipe will have to go directly to SpeakPipe yourselves and leave your message there. But the ever-expanding Facebook page is up and running and it's really, really going well at the moment. And we encourage you all to join us there. Now, I think Stephen's going to tell us how you can join in the fun and the frolics and the details are also in the show notes. So the first option is to record a message or a plot prediction by going to www.speakpipe.com slash dumptydum and don't forget the T in the middle. The next option is to send us a voice note or message via WhatsApp on 07810 or plus four four and remove the first zero if you're calling from outside the UK. And please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. Now, I know that people have had a bit of trouble at times using WhatsApp to leave a voice message. What you need to do is go into the app, then dial that number, type in that number, and then you choose the option of the little symbol of a microphone 
and that will give you a voice message. Otherwise, it rings through as a live call, and that doesn't give us what we want because that means it doesn't automatically record. So go into WhatsApp, select that number, and then hit the little microphone symbol, and that will give you a voice message. And finally, we have an email address you can contact us on if you'd rather write to us with your views with a maximum of 250 words, please. And the email address is dumptydum at mail.com. And do bear in mind, you need to be at least 18 to take part and to contribute. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Next up is Brian. Hello, it's Brian. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year as well, probably. Didn't quite know what to make it this week. We were spared too much of the grubby culture, which is a blessing. It's fun there. Attempts at when they, something is meant to be funny is very hard to pull off when in the arches it never seemed to quite work. It was all built around being just with Carrot being in it anyway. It was, ugh. But there wasn't too much of it anyway. That's something. Now, the thing I've picked up on is, is the Harry business. I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm not sure. If other people raised red flags about him. I wasn't convinced, but now all this business sneaking around with meeting Chris under false pretenses was all bad luck. So I'm coming around to think he may be a wrong man after all. Other than that, you ask about what presents to get people. Of course, it's obvious. There's one person I'll get, I'll get presents for, which would be Tom Archer. And, in, and of course, it would be a lifetime supply, supply of kale croissants and uh, cauliflower eclairs uh, and nothing else. Yeah, that's what he, he deserves. Yeah, but that's it. So Merry Christmas again. Have a lovely time. Uh, I'll speak to you probably in the New Year. Okay, bye. Thanks for that call, Brian. Yes, I agree, Tom. He deserves to eat kale croissants and uh, cauliflower, whatever's, but that's a horrible, horrible idea, and I'm a vegetable fan. So you now have changed your mind. You were going to give Harry the benefit of the doubt, and you've changed your mind again. So that's curious, isn't it? Because we've had to, we have very differing views from people. I don't want Harry, as I said before, I don't want Harry to be a bad I want him to be good. I want him to be good for Alice. I want him to be good for Martha. But I think there is a big storyline coming up with Harry, Alice and Chris. And I know a lot of people on the social media, especially on our page, are talking, our Facebook page, are talking about Alice getting back with Chris. So that is something that perhaps we need to discuss, Steve. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't see that it makes any logical sense for them to get back together they've got martha which means that they will always have close in contact with each other but i think there's been too much damage to the relationship and i, I don't think that either of them will want to go back to that mm. it turns out that brian was very prescient when he described it as a starter marriage it lasted a lot longer than i think he expected yeah but i think that they've grown since then i think that what Alice put Chris through as a result of her alcoholism. I think that makes it very difficult for him to go fully back, even if he thinks he wants to. I think that he probably shouldn't. I think that she is, she's moved on as mm. well. And I think now that she's got the stables, that's going to be very much the, the first yeah. thing in her life after Martha. And so I, I think that anybody that she gets into a relationship with, that's got to be a factor. And yes, he's a farrier. But he's not quite right for her, I think, at this stage. So have moved on. Quite interesting. He never talked about uh, what Witherspoon said because he uh, mentioned at the end of his call about why does Chris always go to Susan to talk his problems? And we never talked about that and made me think then when you were saying about if he's not quite, it's not quite right for them to get back together again. Chris is very lacking in self 
confidence, very lacking. And the fact that he goes running back to his mum every time, I know his mum's very involved with looking after Martha when she's with him and all that kind of relationship. But this is always his mum. He tried talking to Emma, but it wasn't the same thing as his sister. She didn't understand why she was talking to He was talking to her and asking about pony. She's got other things on her mind rather than pony buying, hasn't she? So, yeah, Chris and Susan, it's a funny relationship. She, he's always gone back to talk to his mum. So That's true. Of course, course, during the day, if Chris is at home, then his mother is often directly underneath the, the flat in yeah. the shop. Yeah, yeah, I think that Susan has kept hold of, the, of her children quite closely. I think that Emma's relationship with her is maturing because Emma is taking after Susan in so many ways, whereas Indeed. Chris isn't taking after Susan or indeed taking after Neil. As a result, perhaps, Susan hasn't been able to let him go because she doesn't know where he'll go, whereas she can let Emma go almost because she knows where Emma is and, and what Emma will be like at all times. Yeah. But the um, question that was asked by Witherspoon was, hasn't he got any uh, peers to talk about these things? Well, no, he hasn't. He's got Harrison, who's a mate, isn't he? But obviously... He's and and he works very closely with Jacob. He's got a he's got yeah. a close friendship with Jacob. And that that came out again this week, didn't it? It's actually developing that friendship. So that kind of answers his question, Wilson's uh, question. But thank you for your call, Brian, who did feel blessed because he was spared by uh, of hearing too much of Jacob's culture. As I said before, I think it was quite amusing. So among some people enjoyed to everybody else. Great. Well, next up we have. Vicky. Hello everybody, it's Vicky Cole here. First of all, I just want to say welcome to the newest Little Dumpty Dumb and Lauren. Mike and Bess were the first people I met in that very noisy bar in Birmingham at the beginning of the Dumpty Dumb meetup and I was feeling a little bit lost. So once I met them and started chatting to them, everything was wonderful. So many, many congratulations. I hope you bring Lauren up to drink lots of beer and follow the Archers very closely. It's been a funny old week. At the beginning of the week, I thought that it was going to be a real dud, but I think it's picked up a little bit since. I quite enjoyed the standoff between Stella and Jill, although it would be excruciating to be party to that in real life. I've got a little prediction that somehow this is going to get out of control and Stella and Pip will end up at the magical stables meal that can just expand magically at the last minute to invite hundreds of people, leaving David and Ruth and Jill and possibly Ben. can't remember where he was going all on their own feeling gloomy, and then they will end up at the stables as well, and there'll be a hilarious consequence-type, Dickens-type, Merry Christmas, one and all, resolution at the end. And finally, want to wish all of you a very, very happy Christmas. Thank you so much to the whole team, presenters, social media people, Stephen for all the editing. It's been a good year. Thank you so much for weathering all the changes with great dignity, and I love listening to the show. So thanks for all you do. A happy Christmas, everybody, or any other festival you celebrate, and all the best for 2024. Bye now. Thank you for that, Vicky, and a Merry Christmas to you too, and a warm Dumpty Dum welcome to Lauren, whose arrival we heard about this week. In terms of the Christmas event, as I said before, I think there's going to be a successful Christmas and a disastrous Christmas, and one will be at Brookfield and the other will be at the stables, and I don't know which way round it is. I think the idea of everybody abandoning Brookfield and going to the stables is a possibility, but that would leave poor Jill with Leonard, who might be there for Christmas, and the Arga, and Josh, who definitely doesn't want to go to the stables, and and Ben, perhaps. But equally, it might be that everything will go horribly wrong at the stables, and they'll all decide to go around to Brookfield to be rescued. So I guess with Josh not being there, there wouldn't be anybody who would naturally think that that would be the place to go. They might end up going to Greenacres, given that uh, that's where Jim and Alastair would be. But yes, they couldn't go back to Lower Loxley because I imagine that it, it probably takes a week to heat up the ovens in the main house. <laughs> and she did go to microwave in the flat. Yeah, thanks for your call, Vicky, and a very happy Christmas to you. And can I add also my very big welcome to Lauren Jennings, who is actually with us 
a very tiny form in uh, April in Birmingham. Lovely to meet Beth and Mike when we were there. And for those of you who can't picture who they are, it was Beth who won the lovely Quotient Archers Academic Blanket in the raffle from, it was made by our Nick. So I'm sure her and Lauren will be able to cuddle up under an Archers Academic Blanket eventually listening to our editions. But welcome, welcome to the world, Lauren. We now have a call from Glyn. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. First, may I wish a very happy Christmas to our podcast hosts, Jacqueline and Stephen, and to all other uh, hosts of the podcast in the past year, and season's greetings to all Dumpty Dumbers everywhere. Well, turning to the Archers, this week we have had the rather strange behaviour from Harry, and however he tries to explain this to Alice, I think it's going to be very difficult for him. And his behaviour was weird and out of order. And um, I'm not surprised it rather upset Chris. And I was very surprised that for once I found myself agreeing with Susan. Della looks like she's going to have quite an interesting Christmas now at Brookfield, as she will be uh, daggers door, daggers are drawn um, with Jill for... Uh, the whole of the uh, holiday by the uh, by the sounds of it. First rule of Brookfield, never ever criticise Jill's lemon drizzle cake. And then we had the Christmas show. I sort of quite enjoyed Sykes. It was definitely Jasper Carrot doing Jasper Carrot from about 40 years ago. Perhaps humour has moved on a little bit since then. But it's a shame we didn't get to hear a little bit more of the other acts especially some snippets from Linda's mom. Anyway, keep safe, everybody. Have a great week in Ambridge. Bye. Mm, yes, thank you for that, Glyn. Very nice to hear from you again. And season's greetings to you and your family. Yeah, his take on Harry going to see Chris was that Harry was out of order. So that's another person that is putting up red flags about Harry's. And Glyn often does call it right with people. But no, I'm still sticking with Witherspoon and thinking I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, Lemon Drizzlegate we've already talked about. The Gagwe culture. You see, I still say that. I find it all quite amusing, but it was held together by Yako. You haven't given your opinion on Gagwe culture yet, Stephen. No, I haven't. I thought Yako was quite fun, but... The whole thing was, it felt to me all very contrived, really. The degree of clapping and laughter and so forth. Yeah, that was weird. Suggested that there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. And yet, if this was in the village hall, it's not that big. So I, I think we previously thought that it was a bit overfull when they had the meeting about the electric charging station. That seemed to, to attract a, a large crowd. And I think there was a meeting about Grey Gables that, had yeah. the, the Scottish dance troupe at, clashing at the same time. And again, each time this happens, a village hall sounds like it's about the size of the Albert Hall. But the whole thing was a vehicle for Jasper Carrot to, yeah. to appear on the Archers. And I guess this was the earlier introduction of Sykesy as a character to demonstrate Ben as a, a caring person at the Laurels was a sort of way of then introducing it with Sykesy now less mobile and probably on his way out. I, I don't think we're yeah. here from him again we may hear about him but i don't think he'll reappear on the program no. so it was all i felt it was a bit heavy-handed in that respect so i'm not a huge fan of that just to go back to the harry business i have to say while i'm still on the let's give him the benefit of the doubt the way he approached chris was just so weird and so ham-fisted it was just a very weird strange thing to do and i think that is it because he's socially awkward and we're trying to learn about that? Or is there something more to it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just worry slightly about that and competition perhaps over ponies. Yeah, definitely not the ponies. Several people on social media have been saying that a Shetland pony is not a good start for a, uh, a child because they tend to be uh, a bit um, biting. They're very cross, very fat, because a child can't really sit on them. You have to kind of hold the child on them. For me, a Shetland pony is a weird choice, but yeah. Yeah, a Dartmoor pony for, would be the one to start with very small, and then I think the New Forest is the next one up, and, and then you start getting on to, to proper horses. And they look cute, those Thelwell uh, Shetland ponies, but that's about it, really. 
it's now time for our final call, and this is from Helen in Southend. Hi there. So this is a Dissolve Plots prediction about Christmas Day, and I think that Stella's going to have a big fight with Jill about agriculture, and it's going to shift a hard chat. I just feel it's really been signaled, and I also watched a shimmy drama where this happened. But that's my plot prediction, and this is Helen calling from Southend, and I'm maybe a four-time caller in a Thanks for all the wonderful work you do, and have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for that call, Helen, and have a Merry Christmas too. I have been saying that I think that there's a possibility there'll be a disaster at Christmas at Brookfield if there isn't at the stables. I do hope it's not Jill having a heart attack. I think yeah. that that would be a, I would certainly be aware of ruining Christmas. But it would be a bit sad to lose Jill in that way. I, th I think she deserves a more gentle departure in the way of her in-laws, Dan and Doris. Well, Doris, very peacefully in her chair. I think Dan actually went out having tried to turn over a sheep that had fallen down or something and ended up getting squashed by that with Elizabeth there to see. So I, I think that Jill is probably one, again, like Phil, to be found yeah. and died peacefully in his sleep. And so Jill the same. So I, I do hope it's that rather than a, a heart attack over Christmas. And I'm, that isn't to say that I'm not looking forward to an argument between Stella no. and Jill, but I think that that will then be resolved and they will all be happy at the end of that. My money's yeah. on the disaster at the stables and success at Brookfield, but I could be completely wrong. Yes, well, we'll have to wait until next week to discuss that. Yeah, I think that Jill and Stella will come to a compromise over Christmas. I'm sure it's not going to. But you never know when you've got David around, because he might just throw, throw a spanner in the works by his curmudgeonly ways sometimes. So, yeah, it's a space to watch. Christmas Day, very interesting. Christmas Day is a Monday as well, isn't it? So, we'll, we'll have an episode. We'll have a Christmas Eve episode next, and then a Christmas Day episode, yeah? Yeah. And then four more episodes for the aftermath of whatever goes horribly wrong. Yes, when we're next Saturday or Friday night, she'll be either in Arizona or in Nevada. So we're either going to be phony, we're either going to be recording this with me in Flagstaff, Arizona, or in Boulder City, Nevada. So we just need to make sure we know what the time zone is. Exactly. Then I don't Decisions think there's the same. Be I, think <laughs> I think there's an hour difference between yeah. them. So. Anyway, we shall be on top of that, Stephen. Don't worry. But if people can get their calls in to you by Friday night, on at uh, midnight, that'd be great. So I think that's all the calls for this week, but we'd love to hear from you next week. So do call in to let us know what you thought of Christmas episodes. Was Stephen's prediction correct? Let us know. Now, did we receive any emails or WhatsApp messages? We did. We had a message via the uh, email from a different Helen. And this actually came in at the very end of last week. It's just too late for us to pick up for the programme. And it goes like this. Hello. Helen of Cheltenham here, as a first-time email innerer. I can't work the microphone, even though the setting is on, so resorting to email. I've been listening since about when Jick proposed to Piggy during my sixth form years when one of my A-level teachers used to make analogies in her lessons with the goings-on in the archers. So I'm a long-term, independent-of-my-parents listener. Though I've been out this evening and not listened to this evening's episode, I had a flash of inspo about the buyer of Grange Farm land. My money's now on Vince. We've not heard from Mr Casey for a while. And being out of hearing, out of mind, this might be just the sort of surprise we weren't expecting. Very many thanks to all of you involved in keeping the Dumpty Dum show on the road, especially for all the post-production work, which must take far longer than we, the listening viewers, think it does. Helen of Cheltenham. Yeah, thank you for that, Helen. Good job writing in to us, sending an email. And yes, a lot of people mentioned the post-production work, Stephen. And I want to say thank you to you because... This podcast would not have carried on if it hadn't been for Stephen stepping up and taking on the editing as he has done. So thank you very much to you. But to go back to Helen's message there, we had no callers and errors this week about David Freddie, who had quite a few scenes together, and nothing about Freddie and the frankly bullying situation he's found himself in under Vince's care at the factories. I'm not sure about who if it could be Vince. This is possible. That it could be Vince who's bought the land, but I don't know why, and I don't see a way around. I don't see what he would do with it. But it made me think about poor Freddie working for Vince, and Vince obviously letting this guy, who's from a posh family, doing a job with 
the workers who were obviously picking on him. I thought it was a really telling scene, that with David. And David just getting very blustery and was very anti-Vince, wasn't he? Oh, typical. This is just what, exactly what would have happened. We'd expect to happen under Vince cases. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of thoughts about the Casey business at the moment. Yeah, I think David still bears a grudge over the way that Vince reacted to Ben's behaviour and yeah. his breakup with Beth. So it doesn't surprise me. I'm also not surprised that Freddie is coming in for a certain amount of bullying under the circumstances. He's been brought in as this junior management trainee and has presumably been given management responsibility over a whole bunch of very experienced abattoir workers who've got all the skills Freddie doesn't have. And he's just come in and been put above them. And they probably know that he's the son of Vince's current partner, which mm -hmm. will complicate things. On the other hand, that does mean that they will have to be slightly nervous of the extent to which they can take Freddie on, because at the end of the day, he could go running off to Vince. But I think that it has served to demonstrate how mature Freddie is becoming. The fact that he was able to deal with the situation, get it sorted, they found the missing beef in yeah. the fridge where it had been stored, the different fridge, and they, he fixed all the graffiti on the packaging. And I think that if he's done that without going running to Vince to complain about it, then yeah. that will give him more respect with his co-workers because I think there's nothing worse that he could do than dob his colleagues and people he's worked for in with the boss. But if he's just saying, right, you've had your fun, that's quite enough, please get it fixed and get it out because this is an important customer and this is £5,000 worth of yeah. stuff and a reputation. And if we damage Brookfield's reputation, then David will damage our reputation. I think that it is all about demonstrating that Freddie is very rapidly becoming a lot more mature, which will be important when it comes to the trust taking decisions about yeah. the future of Lower Loxia and when the Freddie can come into his own in that front. What do you think about Helen's idea? Your neighbour, Helen, must be your neighbour, Helen. I know Helen from from real life, yes. But what do you think about her idea that it could be Vince? That one? The question is what Vince would do with it. That's my, there's a, it, it's 10 acres, there's a barn on it. There isn't really scope for turning that into an abattoir because I don't think Vince's got capacity issue at the moment. He doesn't really, I don't imagine that he would want to buy land to build accommodation for any of his children in Ambridge. It's probably got slightly iffy yeah. memories for him. Uh, and I'm not sure that any of his children would really want to come to Ambridge. Well, be there, no. Stephanie's marriage has broken up. Beth had the uh, disastrous in the stables. And I really don't think that there's any reason why Vince would want that. My money is still on Harry wanting to use it as an equine spa. Mm -hmm. Well, watch the space. I think we're moving on as well. We're about to move on to our Facebook page where we have a lot of very active, friendly, and we like to think erudite members. We need to give a very warm welcome to the newest of them who are Sue Harland, Stephen Dyer, Mayoris Blenheim, Ruby Roo, Claire Morrison, Alan L. Buttifant, and Jake Grimley. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Now, here's where we're looking for a volunteer. We have a team of great rounder-upperers, but at the moment we're short of a regular contributor to do the roundup for the fourth recording of each month. That's on the fourth Friday of each month. So if you'd like to join the Facebook roundup team and take on that slot, please do get in touch. Last month, Witherspoon nobly filled in, and this month we have Theo stepping into the breach, and here she is with her review. Hello, Stephen and Jacqueline. Here is some news from the Facebook group this week. Both sides of the argument were well represented in the perennial debate about whether or not so-called comedy on the archers is actually funny. A particular focus this week was Jasper Carrot and his set at Gagriculture. Leslie Greaves asked why he was given special treatment, but some people thought he was very funny. Gillian Moore thought it was very cleverly written with a nod to him knowing what he was doing, but not too good, so some bad jokes. And Mark Smith absolutely loved it. There seemed to be agreement, as Sandra Jenkinson said, that Jasper Carrot wrote his own material. But Ray Milner and Lynn Rafferty agreed he must have been acting at being not very good, playing the part of the funny elderly relative who won't shut up. On another of the key topics this week, Darcy Jorgensen laid down the battle lines with a short post saying, Stella v Jill, Gloves are on, place your bets. 
Chris Gibson said drills versus flapjacks. Let's see. But Paul Norris thought youth versus experience. Jill takes it. While Helen Cook is still wondering how a lemon drizzle cake can be dry, Rosie Taylor spoke for Team Jill, feeling sad about the way she's been written. She used to be the only socialist in the village apart from Mike Tucker. She was compassionate and kind, helped Arnold Lucas with his sight problems, made life easier for Lisa Craig and baby Scott, shared the work of the farm with Phil and was a lovely person. Well, I have to say, Rosie's memory is even longer than mine, but delightful to hear about the old times. Susan Wilson agreed. The current scriptwriters have made Jill curmudgeonly when in the past she's been kind and passionate about the environment. Stella was insensitive trying to teach Grandma to suck eggs. But Susan de la Mare was Team Stella. It's about time someone stood up to Jill. She does rather rule the roost. And Chris Gibson spoke for many, saying, while we don't have to tell people their cake is dry, thank you, Stella, for being the first person in Ambridge who refuses to tiptoe round Jill or Peggy. On another of the big topics this week... Pat Ralph Hannivan started a thread with If I Were Alice... Dot, dot, dot. Pat said, I'd be livid with Harry when I learned he'd gone behind my back to meet Chris. If you want to meet someone's ex, ask them for an introduction. But most people were more worried than furious. Marion Sweeney asked, Was Harry hoping to dig up more information on Alice's addiction, perhaps? It seems creepy and controlling. Sue Margotson summed it up with, I'd run a mile. Personally, I wondered if the scriptwriter's were doing some oldie-worldie version of looking up someone's ex on social media to learn about them. Only Harry did it in person. And finally, for those who listened to Stephen's discourse last week on the Lower Loxley Trust, Richard Lucas has provided a lot more detail and musings about the size and scale of Lower Loxley Enterprises, when and how Freddie might inherit, and what a little bit of money for Lily might look like. If you're short of some reading over the holidays and want to catch up, do take a look at that. Well, that's it for this week. This has been my foray onto Facebook, but I'll see you all on Twitter next time. Thank you for that, Thea, and thank you so much for everyone on the Facebook page of Dumpty Dum. If you'd like to join them, please do, but don't forget to answer the very easy membership questions so that we can know you're a real person. Now on to Twitter where you will find us at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the archers hashtag using talk to and day so the visually impaired who use screen readers can enjoy any archers based tweets. As well as at Dumpty Dum, I can be found at Jberto Sanguin. And I can be found at, at Wenlock House. But we're both spending more time discussing the archers on Blue Sky these days. I am Wenlock.bsky.social. And I'm at jberto.bsky.social. So let's find out who's won the Twitter medals this week. Theo! Tweet, tweet, tiger. <laughs> Hello, Jacqueline, Stephen, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here, back on duty with Tweets and Skeets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, and everyone else who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week on Blue Sky... We've had a lot of discussion of the intentions and niceness or otherwise of Harry Chilcott. Brenda Selwyn at brendaselwyn.bsky.social has been exhibiting her usual Archer's erudition and comparing him to Richard Locke, who seemed to want to rescue the women he was involved with. Maybe Harry is drawn to help Alice the addict in a way he couldn't help his friend. Over on Twitter, I very much enjoyed a thread started by Bernadette Hawkes at Archers Fan 2015, inspired by Gagriculture to ask for the best one-liners ever in the Archers. Special mentions go to Hello Puscat, have you missed me? Mentioned by Little Kim. While Gareth, at GJ Marklu, seemed to recall that Linda once came out with the great line, Robert, the llamas have been violated, which takes some beating. Ambridge Pony Club, at Jen J. Stephen, enjoyed the much more recent it's all right, we've started a tab from Emma, while Sarah Mattox at Sarah Mattox remembered a cracker, which was Kate saying, I'll even throw in an egg when offering to be Adam and Ian's surrogate. I'll leave the last mention to romantic writer at Corinthia Hart, who remembered Peggy after announcing the details of her controversial will, asking, Iced fancy, anyone? I do recommend you look at the whole thread, which is still growing with new zingers. 
Now, before I get back to my lesbian mentoring, it's time for the medals for Blue Sky Skeets and X Posts, all of which we continue to refer to as Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Finton the Wrong at fintontwrong.bsky.social with a lovely little pun. What is David's beef? The silver medalist is Little Kim at Little Kim. Morally shamed by cake, something that could only happen on the archers. And the gold medal goes to Rosie Porty at rosieporty.bsky.social, who seemed to have been inspired by agriculture and had a cracking week, but I chose this one. Where is Justin spending Christmas Day? A. With Brian. B. At the Cerceveurs. C. At the Laurels. D. In Sunderland with Shula. Or E. In front of the TV at the Dower House with a Faulkman hamper. A fine question indeed, Rosie. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you can all tear yourselves away from whatever you're doing in the last week of December to comment on hashtag the Archers on Twitter or Blue Sky next week. See you there. Thank you for that, Theo. Good work this week with two roundups for us. And congratulations to all who were mentioned in this week's round. Don't forget we're on Instagram at Dumpty Dum where Theo looks after things. She's doing everything behind the scenes this week, isn't she? Thank you very much, Theo. Next week, we'll be recording at the normal time of first thing Saturday morning UK time with Jacqueline somewhere out in the southwestern <laughs> deserts of the United States where it will be either 11pm or midnight. So please get your calls in by midnight on Friday UK time. So as we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our wonderful contributors and to the whole team who look after our social media and support us in so many invaluable ways. And also to the whole Dumpty Dum community, you make doing this podcast worthwhile. And we must say thank you to Kim Durham and Sunny Allman for their voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy B. Freeman and Rachel Brown. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today. We're now going off to the stables for a calm, relaxing Christmas. So it's goodbye from me. And it's hasta luego from me. Oh, we spicy. <laughs> Travel's going. She's gone. Thank <laughs> you.